You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before Yahweh, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before Yahweh and consumed them, and they died before Yahweh. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what Yahweh has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary and out of the camp. So they came near and carried them out in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar his sons, Do not let the hair of your heads hang loose. And do not tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon all the congregation. But let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning that Yahweh has kindled. And do not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting, lest you die, for the anointing oil of Yahweh is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. And Yahweh spoke to Aaron, saying, Drink no wine or strong drink, you or your sons with you, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever, throughout your generations. You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, and between the unclean and the clean, and you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that Yahweh has spoken to them by Moses. Moses spoke to Aaron, and to Eleazar, and Ithamar, his surviving sons. Take the grain offering that is left of Yahweh's food offerings, and eat it unleavened beside the altar, for it is most holy. You shall eat it in a holy place, because it is your due and your son's due from Yahweh's food offerings, for so I am commanded. But the breast that is waved, and the thigh that is contributed, you shall eat it in a clean place, you and your sons and your daughters with you, for they are given as your due and your son's due from the sacrifices of the peace offerings of the people of Israel. The thigh that is contributed and the breast that is waved they shall bring with the food offerings of the fat pieces to wave for a wave offering before Yahweh, and it shall be yours and your sons with you as a due forever, as Yahweh has commanded. Now Moses diligently inquired about the goat of the sin offering, and behold, it was burned up. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the surviving sons of Aaron, saying, why have you not eaten the sin offering in the place of the sanctuary, since it is a thing most holy, and has been given to you that you may bear the iniquity of the congregation, to make atonement for them before Yahweh? Behold, its blood was not brought into the inner part of the sanctuary. You certainly ought to have eaten it in the sanctuary, as I commanded. And Aaron said to Moses, Behold, today they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before Yahweh, and yet such things as these have happened to me. 
If I had eaten the sin offering today, would Yahweh have approved? And when Moses heard that, he approved. Welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 600 of this podcast. Today is Tuesday, April 18th, 2023, and that was Leviticus chapter 10 in the ESV and a very sobering passage and a very striking passage because up to this point, you've had maybe a little bit of a lulling into a complacency as the reader. And that parallels a lulling of complacency for the people of Israel and for Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, who here we are told offered unauthorized fire. Some translations will say strange fire. I don't mind using unauthorized fire instead, because I think that gets more to the point. The point is that God had not told them to do it this way. He had told the priests through Moses very specifically, very clearly how he wanted his offerings to be administered by Aaron and his sons. And we don't precisely understand I don't anyways, I don't precisely understand what about this was unauthorized, but that it was unauthorized is told us very plainly, God had not commanded this. And in the case of the priesthood, in the case of the offering of burnt offerings and grain offerings, God didn't want anyone deciding to get creative here. The place for creativity was in the building of the tabernacle and the various furnishings and the utensils. The place for getting creative is not with regards to the offerings. And so what's driving that? What's driving the desire to innovate right from the jump? What is behind that? What's going on in the heart and the mind of a person who wants to innovate with worship right from the jump. When God has said, do this thing, there's a kind of perhaps selfish ambition and vain conceit. In fact, that's what I would lean towards in interpreting this is it's not just that they're being innovative as though innovation is itself a bad thing, but where and how and why they're being innovative is important because not all innovation is good. And Actually, I think you can say there's something of a strain of conservatism in this passage, and there's something of a repudiation of unbridled progressivism in this passage. We all want progress. Don't get me wrong. In fact, God commands us to grow, to develop, to cultivate. That's progress. To be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That's progress. 
To build a house is progress. When you had no house, but now you have a house, that's progress. To have good clothing, suitable clothing that is dignified and that is graceful and is appropriate and is attractive and beautiful and exemplifies nobility and goodness and kindness. Well, that's progress. But what's not progress is when we think we know better than God. When God tells us what to do, and then we think we have a better idea than God, that really gets to the root of what happened in the garden that Adam and Eve fell and took the whole human race with them and plunged all of creation into consternation, frustration, futility is a word that's used in a lot of translations. It's not progress to say, this fruit looks really good to eat. And God told me not to, but I think progress represents eating it anyways. It's also not progress when God delivers you out of Egypt. And what do you do when Moses is absent for a month and some change? One and a third months. You say, up, make us gods to go before us, Aaron. We're going to say that these gods actually brought us up out of Egypt. That's not progress. That is a breaking of shalom. That's a breaking of peace with God and with our fellow man. And God takes it extraordinarily serious here in Leviticus. I think you see a parallel passage in the New Testament with a husband and wife pair named Ananias and Sapphira. They sell a piece of property. A lot of Christians are doing this at the time in the book of Acts. They sell a piece of property And then they claim that they have been charitable with all of the proceeds. Now, why do they do this? It's implied, it's inferred. We can deduce from what is known of human nature, what is in the passage. They do it from selfish ambition and vain conceit. They keep a portion of the money back, but they claim they gave it all. And the problem is not that they kept a portion back. They could have kept the whole amount. They didn't have to sell any of it, actually. The Lord loves a cheerful giver, and we should not be twisting arms, telling people, sell the property that you have, give it to the poor if you want to prove that you're a Christian, prove that you're one of us. We're told not to do that. In fact, God wants a cheerful giver. He wants somebody who gives willingly of a cheerful heart, not somebody who is guilted into it and whose arm is twisted to make them do it. And yet they lie and they are struck dead. They are struck dead by God. Now, why is that? I think a lot of people I've read and talked with think it's because to not deal with this conclusively, emphatically, clearly for all to see, to not nip this in the bud, for God to not do this thing that he knew, he knew that they were secretly holding a portion back, which then they were going to presumably also spend from a place of selfish ambition and vain conceit, all the while getting credit and then saying, hey, look to us as examples. But then if it's not genuine, if it's disingenuous, if it's dishonest, then all of a sudden the whole church is going astray after these fakes, these phonies, these frauds. And so God strikes them dead. And it says that the fear of God filled the whole church. And so also here, you've got to just imagine being in the shoes of 
anyone present here. That's a sobering moment. We were getting a bit lax. We were getting a bit cavalier here right from the jump, right from the beginning. These guys were just consecrated. But then that is to say, it's not enough to offer the blood of bulls and lambs and goats and turtle doves. It's not enough to cleanse us of unrighteousness. We need God himself purifying our hearts and our minds and our souls. And so that actually fits neatly with this episode, this podcast episode. This is episode 600, 600, 600. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that every hundredth episode, I do a recap. I do a review of some highlights, some lowlights, some lessons learned in the past 100 episodes. 600 episodes is a lot. It's a lot of episodes. And when they are as long as these podcast episodes are, we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of me talking about everything. And for those of you who've been listening for quite some time, that's hundreds and hundreds of hours of you listening to me talk about everything. And I really appreciate, I really appreciate the privilege and the honor that it is to speak to you on so many things and for you to listen and to consider, not that you're persuaded by everything. I'm sure there are plenty of times where you say, I don't know about that. Uh, Garrett, 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 come on. But it's almost not the point whether you agree with me or are persuaded in the particulars because a big reason for doing this podcast is that we need to get more comfortable talking about things that are important, that are relevant. There's too much passivity that I see, and there's too much shallowness that I see when I survey the landscape of my country and more to the point, the church in my country. There's too much reliance on experts to do our thinking for us. There's too much reliance on clever marketing to give us impressions that maybe are not informing us at all, but are designed to give us a feeling rather. And so then we're led by our feelings. And then when things get difficult in our particular contexts, we are driven to and fro by our emotional response. And we see that here in Leviticus 10, a struggle there, an understandable struggle. If I were in Aaron's shoes, I absolutely would be riding the struggle bus, overcome with grief and shame and anger and confusion and fear and sadness, and still all the same being told by Moses, now is not a time for you to grieve. You need to do your job. You need to do your job. Now, is Moses telling Aaron all the right things there? Is Moses completely in the right here? And some of what Moses tells Aaron could be descriptive instead of prescriptive. God has communicated himself to Moses plenty, but do we know in this passage that everything that Moses is telling Aaron is from the Lord? And those are important questions to ask, I think. Do we take this as a blueprint and go forth? Well, to some extent, I think we should, because you have to, just like with Nadab and Abihu, assess you know, why they offered unauthorized fire, why that was such a big deal to God, 
you have to also consider if that same kernel of selfish ambition and vain conceit, foolish pride comes into the grieving process, that's not going to be good. It's not going to have a better outcome. But actually, Aaron does that. When he talks about eating the sin offering, he says, would the Lord have approved? Today of all days, would the Lord have approved if I had eaten of the sin offering? And it says, when Moses heard that, Moses approved of what Aaron had said, which is to say, if I may, good point. That's fair. So we come back to episode 600 of my podcast, and I've got a lot of thoughts to share with you here on my 600th, not all of them actually specifically about particular episodes and topics. I I will talk a little bit about some of the highlights and lowlights of the last 100 episodes, but actually more generally, more generally, I want to speak to some things that maybe have shifted and some things that haven't changed, because that can be as interesting as anything when you see what doesn't change. What does change with time, growth, maturity, progression, and what doesn't? What stays fixed? What is firm and constant? But before I talk about those more abstract particulars, the 10 most popular episodes, if you'd like to know them, if you are curious, because how would you know? If I don't tell you as the audience, how would you know? which of these episodes are the most popular. You might see some and say, well, that one looks the most interesting to me. But if I'm talking about a broad range of things and there's a broad range of people with a broad range of interests, how would you know what's going to be popular, what's going to be interesting to most other people? A really interesting thing to me is that the most popular episode in the last 100 was episode 563 from February 18th, but God meant it for good. I find that intriguing. I find that fascinating. But God meant it for good is an episode where I was talking through Joseph and his brothers and how they hated him because he was their father's favorite and they conspired to kill him and then decided to restrain themselves and only sell him into slavery, their own brother, selling him into slavery, which is to say slavery has been around for a long, long time, and we shouldn't think that it's only ever racial. Lots of people have owned people of their own tribe, their own nation as slaves. Lots of people have sold people of their own tribe and nation as slaves. Sometimes even family decides to sell their members into slavery due to malice or greed or apathy. In this case, it was all of the above, I think, mostly malice, mostly hatred for their brother. And yet you see the conclusion of the story is not that Joseph is destroyed. It's not that he just goes away forever. In fact, God blesses him in Egypt, not in the way we might expect. Not the shortest distance between two points is a straight line as we would think of a straight line. It's not as though they sell him into slavery. He shows up in a slave market in Egypt and the Pharaoh is like, that guy, 
that guy should be running the kingdom in my name. I'll take him. Here. <laughs> Here, Joseph. You're in charge now. <laughs> you know, that's not what happened. That is not what happened. Could God have orchestrated that? Sure. But he chose not to. He chose to arrange things in such a way as to bring about the conclusion that we read in Genesis. And then fast forward, Joseph for seven years has made preparations for seven years of famine. People are coming from all over the place, from foreign nations into Egypt to buy grain. Here come Joseph's brothers to buy grain. They don't recognize him. He toys around with them, messes with them a bit before revealing himself to be their brother. And he doesn't destroy them when he has the power to do so. He doesn't destroy them. Instead, he tells them, what you meant for evil, what you intended for evil against me, God meant it for good. Or God, if you will, worked all things to the good for me because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. And that episode, that episode where I'm talking through all of that, episode 563, February 18th, that has been the most popular, the most listened to of the last hundred. Next down is episode 571, come near before the Lord for he has heard your grumbling. And this one I was talking about Moses. So we've been with Moses for quite some time, several weeks. But this episode I was talking about this idea of the people being discontented and God calling them out on it. They just keep complaining and complaining and complaining. And that discontentedness is a problem and it needs to be corrected and it needs to be disciplined. And just imagine being in their shoes and you're told, come near before the Lord for he has heard your grumbling. (laughs) You'd have to think, oh, oh no. What I meant was, <laughs> this manna tastes great. Thanks, God. <laughs> Next down from that one, Moloch, Deathworks, Negative World, and the Limitations of Decentralized Generative AI, episode 537, January 13th. In that one, I talk about a video that was shared with me of a discussion around cryptocurrency and decentralized finance and Web 3.0 and what are the potential ramifications for how we engage in the future with each other on the internet, how we engage with our governments or government, how we should perceive the way that people will act on what they perceive to be their own interests and yet against their own interests. There's this whole idea of Moloch, not to be confused with the deity, and yet maybe it would be good for us to associate them more closely and to believe that Moloch was and is a literal demon, a false god, sure, but a real being made by God, the most high God, Yahweh God, who was worshipped by peoples in Canaan that God drove out to dispossess them and to give the land to Israel. Moloch was a God who required human sacrifice. 
And so the people who worshipped Moloch, they would offer their own children as human sacrifices to him. And God said, don't do that. Don't do that, Israel, like the people I'm driving out before you. I don't want to be worshipped that way. A lot of people who listen to my podcast found that to be an interesting episode, it would seem. Next down, a generation as a biblical category, decline as a choice, Woody Harrelson and geneticism. Now this one, this one and the previous one, both are hodgepodge, right? Here's a combo. I'm going to put these things together in the title because I'm bouncing all over the place in the episode, but I want you to see connections that maybe nobody right now is pointing out that I hear, that I see. A generation as a biblical category has to do with us appreciating that things are not all just individual, nor on the other end of the spectrum should we only think in terms of peoples and nations and cultures. We should also be thinking about generations within peoples and nations and cultures because generations can have types and they can have personalities and you can have good generations and you can have bad generations. You can have generations that seek after the Lord. You can have generations that are wicked and incur God's wrath. They deserve God's wrath because their deeds are dark and wicked and rebellious and sinful. So that episode had to do with us taking an honest look at where America is at and also what does God's word say about generations that might be helpful for us understanding where is America at. It shouldn't be assumed, for instance, that the baby boomers passing away means that America is dead. But the young people who are coming of age, who have backing, who have financial backing from the baby boomer generation, the young people are going to be the ones to decide what kind of a country we are, whether we will still continue to be a country moving forward. Decreasingly, there is a unified vision for who we should be and whether we should be. You have a lot of folks who've been conditioned and taught and trained to believe that we should hate our country and want to see its destruction. And some of them think of themselves as conservative, but what are you conserving when you want your country to die? What are you conserving when you want your country to go down in flames? On the flip side, the revolutionaries, maybe they are wholly dependent on the previous generation. And when that generation passes away, things are negotiable moving forward. We'll see. We'll see. But that's what I talked about in 568. 538 was titled Foppery or Theodicy Relative Biblical Attitudes Regarding Masculinity and Femininity. January 14th was when I published that one. Foppery or Theodicy. What am I talking about? What is that, Garrett? What What are you talking about? Why do you have to be so pretentious? Okay. Foppery is you are trying to be ostentatious. You're just dressing in a way that's designed to get attention and you're acting in a way that is very affected. Like, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. Aren't I beautiful? Aren't I great? Aren't I wonderful? Aren't I wise? Theodicy, on the other hand, has to do with us trying to speak to the goodness of God. We're trying to prove or explain or demonstrate 
the goodness of God in a theodicy. That's what a theodicy is. So then how should we think about masculinity and femininity as Christians expressing our own, and in my case, masculinity, I don't have any feminine, femininity, I don't, I, I can't even say the word. <laughs> I don't have any femininity, but how does my wife express her femininity? How do I express my masculinity? Are we being foppish? God forbid. Are we approaching this as a theodicy? Like God was intentionally making us male and female in the beginning, from the beginning to demonstrate something good about himself, to communicate something good about himself. Next up, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Episode 570 on March 2nd had to do with, again, Moses and the people of Israel being in danger. And Moses telling them, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of of the Lord. Here you have Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen pursuing Israel with murderous intent, not because <laughs> they're like, oh, hey, you forgot something. <laughs> yeah, we just wanted to bring that out to you. No, it's like, hey, we decided to change our minds. We're not going to let you go after all. And we kind of want to kill you all and take you back to Egypt and oppress you even harder than we did before. God doesn't allow that, as we read in Exodus 14. Next up, episode 539, when criminality becomes the status quo, January 15th. That one's fairly self-explaining, I think. We increasingly have a kind of shrugging about crime and about misbehavior in this country. There's an apathy. There's a coldness of heart. And I think some of that is because we are complicit and enabling, and we don't fear God, and we don't actually love our neighbor. We only love ourselves. And that's another way that nations die, is when people stop building them, and stop maintaining them, and stop protecting them, and stop seeing them as something worth protecting, worth building, worth investing themselves in because they don't care about anybody but themselves. When criminality becomes the status quo, then the folks who are for law and order become the perceived troublemakers, ironically. Interestingly enough. Next up, asking chat GPT about myself, Europe, and the United States of America, episode 550, February 1st. Again, fairly self-explanatory. It sounds like what it was. I chatted with ChatGPT and just decided to ask one question after another after another. So I would ask a question of ChatGPT to do with the US, Europe, Western civilization. And then I would take something from the answer and ask a follow-up question until ChatGPT started telling me on each one of those, I'm sorry, please try again later. But the answers, you know, the, the best answers from ChatGPT, as I explained in that episode, pretty well proved the point of American exceptionalism and what makes Western civilization so special along the lines of Tom Holland's dominion, actually. I think you see a very similar answer when it's an honest answer. 
you have folks today, I'm reading about headlines and articles galore of Google's CEO plus Elon Musk, both warning, lots of others warning, hey, we probably need to enact some legislation and regulations around the development of artificial intelligence. This is going to be Pandora's box. Nobody's going to know what's true and what isn't, what's real and what isn't on the internet, which should have been the case anyways, actually. Like you should have been telling us that all along. AI might do it even better, but this should drive us back to more localized, more interpersonal ways of assessing things, more old-fashioned ways of assessing things. It should also inspire us to develop our critical thinking skills and to be well-informed, to get insight and knowledge and wisdom, and to read God's word, which doesn't change. Look to God for wisdom and insight and knowledge of what is true and what is good and what is beautiful and cling to that, hold fast to that. Then you will be able to discern what is the will of God for your life. Next up, where public library bathrooms are permanently closed due to meth contamination. Episode 529, January 3rd, 2023. I was talking about some stories out of Boulder, Colorado, that I kid you not, they had to close this big, beautiful, new, expensive library, public library in the city of Boulder, because the bathrooms had so many people going in there to do meth that employees of the library were getting sick from the meth. Like they were getting the drug effects of the meth because there was so much meth being smoked in the library. And now I don't know what the latest is, but as of when I recorded that podcast episode, they were talking about, well, maybe we just won't have bathrooms for the Boulder public library here. We may never reopen these bathrooms to the public again. So now you can go and get a book, but you can't use the restroom while you're there. So you better get it and take it home. And that's indicative, right? Colorado's governor, Jared Polis, coming out of Boulder, not so good. Not such a great statement on Boulder, Colorado. We know some wonderful people who have also come out of Boulder, Colorado. There's a dear family that we know and love that used to live in Boulder. And so it's not all bad, right? There are good people, I'm sure, who live there even now. But it's a sad, sad state of affairs to read a story like that. For me, as a bibliophile, as somebody who loves books, I've read 20 so far this year, it's a sad indictment on the condition of your community when that is what you guys are dealing with. That's not so good. You should be dealing with it upstream well before you have to permanently close the bathrooms, potentially close the whole library so the whole community can't come in there because you're trying to clean these bathrooms out, almost have to tear them out and start over. It's wild to me. Finally, the last of the 10 most popular episodes, last but not least, 10th out of 10, Discussing the Great Reset by Mark Morano with Micah Hirschberger, February 18th, 2023. This episode, we talked back and forth over Signal, and then I took the audio and 
put it into Audacity and then uploaded that after some editing. And it was experimental, right? It was experimental. We thought, well, let's just try it. Let's try it and see how it goes. It'll be fun. And that was one of the more popular episodes. One of the 10, right? Top 10 out of 100 uh, episodes of the last 100. So the least popular, the 10 least popular, and I'll run through these fairly quick, fairly, fairly quick, just so you know that they're there if you haven't listened to them yet. And also I can explain. And this is actually a really interesting segue to talking about one of the changes that I've made to the podcast over the last 100 episodes. First up, episode 597, what assault weapons are and why Democrats want to ban them. Next up, 594, reviewing how to watch TV news by Neil Postman and Steve Powers. Next, 588, concerning Dennis Prager's commentary on pornography and whether lust is adultery. 581, how we govern corporate, social, and political organizations. 578, a unifying story that will guide us as we make our way forward. 575, William N. Bidens, The Peacemaker, Equity as a Conservative Principle, and Good Politics. 572, B.H. Liddell Hart regarding Scipio, Africanus, and Richard Wormbrand versus Karl Marx. 591, trying to come up with names for our ninth child. 584, when the narrative must not be questioned, only those objecting are. And that actually dovetails nicely with when criminality becomes the status quo, by the way. And finally, 569, how a millennial should think about generations by Neil Howe and William Strauss. So what we have here, just to give you a brief summary, we have from least to most of the 10 least listened to episodes of the last 100, we have all 10 being episodes that I put behind the subscriber-only paywall. As in, you have to pay 99 cents a month to listen to those, or at least that was the case until this morning. And in recent days, I've gone back through and I've actually changed up because I realized I'd broken a couple of things in putting a third of my library behind the paywall. I've had to change some things up to where you don't have to be a subscriber to listen to the stuff from before. I said every third is going to be subscriber only moving forward. Uh, For one thing, the problem with doing that, which I, I had it set to the most popular one third of my podcast episodes to this point, you know, were subscriber only, but then that broke the link to the audio embed on the GarrettAshleyMulletShow.com. And it was going to take a lot of work to go and remove all those. And then what do I put instead? And why don't I just take them off the subscriber only thing, right? Like, let's just make them as available to the general public as they were before. It's fine. That's fine. Whatever. Well, besides that, also I've decided, I think... I'm going to say subscriber only for the first month on every third episode. So in other words, if you go back and you look at episodes that were subscriber only in March at this point, those are now available for you to listen to. This one, this episode that I'm recording right now, this is going to be a subscriber only because it's a third. It's a one third that would be 
in that category. So this one will be subscriber only until we get into May. And then I will lift the curtain and you will be able to listen to it without being a subscriber. But that said, I would encourage you to become a subscriber because it really does help me out. It really does encourage me and it facilitates doing this. There are costs associated with podcasting besides my time and my attention. There's also the cost of various things I have to subscribe to myself. I have to pay subscription fees. So then I'm going to pass that cost on to you, any who are willing to help me in paying it. And so I would encourage you, I would encourage you do sign up. But that said, another thing I want to comment on with regards to this least popular, the 10 least popular, they are all episodes that were from the beginning subscriber only from the outset. They, they are, uh, even so, and, and again, this is another interesting thing that I am realizing as I'm looking back through and assessing some of the analytics and the stats, the trends over the last hundred episodes. It's interesting to me that I'm seeing steady growth for the podcast, not gangbusters growth, but steady growth as in I'm holding position. And, and I say this because I think there are some people out there who they respect what I'm trying to do or what I want to do or my reasons for wanting to do what I'm doing here, but they just don't think that the long form podcast is going to work, even though, <laughs> even though we have people like Steven Crowder doing long form podcasts, Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles, Andrew Clavin. You know, some of these are doing long form podcasts and they're bringing in guests on a regular basis. And that's a distinction. Joe Rogan, most popular, most successful podcaster in the world right now, always has guests on. He is never monologuing. You don't tune in to Joe Rogan just to hear Joe Rogan talk about weed and how he might eat a person if he had to, or just to see what a person tasted like. You know, you don't, you don't hear Joe Rogan just talking on his own. He brings people in to have conversations, interesting people, people that you also want to hear speak. And because he is bringing them in and talking back and forth with them in an engaging way, you tune in. But not everybody who's doing long-form podcasts is doing it like that. In fact, everybody's got their own particular thing, their own particular approach to it. And this is mine. And I know that it's not the length that is a problem for people because there are successful podcasters who have long podcasts. I also know that talking about everything is not a deal breaker because these other commentators talk about a broad range of subjects and they maybe don't bill themselves that way. Maybe they bill themselves as doing political commentary, for instance, or just being a variety show, entertainment. But in my case, I'm categorizing this podcast as in the religion and spirituality and specifically the Christian religion and spirituality genre as far as podcasts go. And I don't see others doing this. Maybe they are. I don't see them. I don't see others bringing in conversation about homeschooling, for instance, and how they homeschool their kids and why. I don't see them 
talking about how they help at their church and what that relates to the way they read headlines. I don't hear people talking at length about the books that they're reading on their podcasts. They'll bring in an author, you you betcha, but when I'm just going to talk at length about what I thought of this book, no, I don't I don't have the author on. No. Is that why you tuned in because you thought I had him on my show and I would be No, I'm talking about his book. You can you want to hear from the author. Go read his book yourself. But I'm presuming you might when I talk about that book or this book or the other, or that you have, and you'd like to know somebody else's thoughts on it. Because who else is doing that? Who else is doing that? Nobody. I, I, not that I know of, anyway. And the reason I explain, again, what's different is I know that it's different than what other people are doing that's successful, but it has to be because they're different from each other as well, the ones who are successful. If everybody's doing exactly what Joe Rogan is doing, then why don't they just listen to Joe Rogan instead? He's already doing it successfully. Why, why do we need you doing the same thing? If everybody's just listening to Ben Shapiro do what Ben Shapiro does all the time, and that's all you want is Ben Shapiro commentary, well, Ben Shapiro's already doing Ben Shapiro commentary. So why, you know, why don't you just tune into Ben Shapiro? You know, if I thought, and, and I mean no disrespect to the Dennis Pragers of the world, I mean no disrespect to the Matt Walsh's of the world. You know, Matt Walsh specifically is uh, somebody I, re I respect greatly. I have a lot of respect for Matt Walsh and how successful he's been, how to the point and direct and steadfast he's been in communicating what he believes to be right and true and good, despite a lot of hate being thrown at him for the trouble. Because it's not all. It's not all hate. He keeps on doing it, right? If it were only hate and nobody were saying, hey, Matt, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you just said. Thanks for coming. Thanks for writing that. Thanks for saying that. That was important and helpful and instructive. And you're you're making a really good point. And yeah, we need to think along those lines. We need to take that into consideration. Same also with Ben Shapiro. Same also with several other figures that come to mind. I will on occasion tune into a Dennis Prager or a Doug Wilson or a Glenn Beck. Other big players in the podcasting commentary space online. I will occasionally tune into them and I think, hmm, there's a lot that I really, really like here. And there's a lot that I, I find that I respect in how these guys are doing what they're doing and saying what they're saying. But I don't hear them doing what I'm doing and saying what I think needs to be said in its totality in the way that I think it needs to be said, including some of the details that I think need to be included for consideration. And what I see when I look at the numbers, the number of plays on my various podcast episodes, which ones are popular, which ones not so popular in the last hundred or the last 600 for that matter, what I see is there is a steady, solid base of listeners who consistently listen. Now there's a larger audience and I don't, I actually don't know how many total people are listeners, but I think, I think it's like two and a half times the number that 
on average listen to any particular episode. I think. I think that's the case. I could be wrong. It could be that there's a lot of people that only listen to every 10th episode. I don't know. You know, I crank out a lot of content and people ask me how I have time for it. That goes to show (laughs) a lot of people don't have time for this much content, whether they're listening to it or generating it. It's kind of a wash, right? I'm actually not spending that much more time. You know, maybe take how long these episodes are and double that. And that's how much time I'm actually putting into generating this content. And then I listen back through it myself. So there's that, but I'm usually doing something as I'm listening back through. So, you know, that's not anything I'm out, but I look at the steady growth and I think, you know what, I would rather build this steady and over time and right. And I would rather do what I believe is best and tweak as I go, then wait for it to be perfect on the front end, which it's not going to be. Or on the other hand, do what everybody else is doing that's successful, because in that case, why don't you just listen to them? They're already successful doing what they do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be successful trying to be Ben Shapiro. I'm not going to be successful trying to be Steven Crowder. I'm not going to be successful trying to be Joe Rogan because I'm not those guys. And I don't want to be those guys. And I don't think anybody really wants me to be those guys. (laughs) More to the point. (laughs) But where this is the Garrett Ashley Mullet show, that's not a brag. Like, hey, I have a podcast. And so I am better than you, right? It's not as though the whole show is indicative of me thinking the world revolves around me. But it is just to say, if there's something to call it, it is here are my thoughts. It, it's it's no different. Here's what I would liken it to. It's no different than if you go to IMDb, for instance, and let's just take a recent example of the robe. You know, this 1953 golden age of Hollywood biblical epic about a Roman soldier who put Christ to death. He crucified him. He was the tribune who oversaw the execution and carried it out and then was haunted. His conscience was seared by, tormented by having put this innocent man to death. You go to IMDb and look up that movie and it'll show you who the director was, who the producer was, who wrote the score or composed the score. It'll show you who the leading actors and actresses were. And you can click on any one of those names and it'll take you to the rest of the database info on their larger body of work, other movies they either made or were in, what roles they played. And you can click around and see pictures of them in various roles or movie trailers or small clips or quotes or fun facts and trivia. You know, it's kind of like that. I don't want to be the star of every situation that I'm in just because I have a podcast. But what I do want is if people want to know what I think because I think in a particular way and I'm trying to think it along in, in, in a I'm, I'm trying to think in a particular way that I believe would be beneficial for more of us to be thinking in not just coming to conclusions that I think would be good for us to come to but thinking in a particular way that is more likely to arrive at the right conclusions in more things 
And so if that appeals to you and you're saying, man, I really, I don't just like what you said. I like how you said it and how you arrived at that, how you reasoned your, re- reasoned yourself to that position. I like that. I appreciate that. I want to cultivate that in myself. So I'm going to listen to you do that. And then in some sense, I do what uh, I've done with regards to, you know, Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro, Glenn Beck, Dennis Prager, you know, so some of these other figures who have a voice and a opinion and a perspective and commentary that they provide. And yet I recognize that I'm not them. So, so if you listen to my podcast and you come to a similar kind of conclusion where you're like, Hey, well, I'm not Garrett, right? I'm me, not Garrett. I mean, I am Garrett, but, but I'm, I'm saying if, if I were in your shoes, you know, you say to yourself, I like a lot of what Garrett has to say and how he says it, but I'm not Garrett. And yet I'm going to follow his example here and here. And actually, I, I think he's right on this, this, and this, and I'm going to give credit where credit is due there or blame. <laughs> I think he's wrong in this. I'm going to give blame where blame is due uh, because I think that was boneheaded or whatever. Oh, geez, guy, like, why are you saying that? You know, I, I think if we cultivate more of that, that's one of the ways that we will get more politically engaged because we will learn how to talk about the things that are being decided on, on our behalf so often. We'll not just get upset and emote because what is that, right? What, what does that produce but mayhem and strife and misery? And, you know, and, and on this point, actually, I want to I mention because this came up recently in a private conversation with somebody I was having a bit of a, a conflict with, it came up that in this person's view, I do think the world revolves around me. And I do think that everybody just needs to hear every flowery thought that comes out of my head. And I do think that everybody is entitled to my opinion. And I do think that I, I do think everybody should be just like me, in effect. And I want to I want to answer that. However many people are thinking that, feeling that way, I want to answer that emphatically. No, that's not true. That's not correct. I mean, the person who was telling me this just happened to be really upset with me at the time, and I think that was a major influence on why they said it. But regardless, if I'm giving off that vibe even a little bit, let me set the record straight and say no. No, that is not what I believe. That is not what I think. That is not what I'm going for. I am not going for everybody to be a carbon copy of me in all my particulars and all my interests. I think it's great that there are people out there all over the world who are very different than I am. And I enjoy and delight in encountering people who are different than I am. But there are some things that we just shouldn't be different about, actually, because there is such a thing as objective truth. And that means also that there are lies. And so we shouldn't be diverse when it comes to, for instance, the truth of God's word. What God says is true, is true. And I don't delight in people saying, well, no, it's not true. What God's word says is not true. I don't delight in that. I don't find that a delightful kind of diversity. I also believe strongly that there's such a thing as objective good. 
there is such a thing as good. And insofar as there are people in the world who believe good is just whatever they say is good, I disagree with that strongly. And I don't delight in that kind of diversity. If God says this or that is good and that these other things are evil, well, then we should agree with God. Don't agree with me, but insofar as I'm faithfully relaying to you what he says in his word and what the implications are in our particular situations, insofar as I'm faithfully relaying it, don't dismiss it just because I said it. I mean, how would it be if in the back and forth with Moses and Aaron, for instance, or Moses and the people, for instance, God has told Moses to say what he is telling them and to do what he is doing with them. And their response was to say, oh, look at you who thinks you're such uh, hot stuff. Yeah, no, no, thanks. No, thanks, Moses. That's just your opinion. I mean, Moses had an advantage where (laughs) he has God himself performing signs and wonders. But people who don't want to believe, and we see that in Exodus, people who don't want to believe are still not going to believe, and they're not going to remember, and they're not going to take things to heart, even if they have signs and wonders. We see that in the Gospels, too, with Jesus performing signs and wonders. And when he raises a man from the dead, then they really hate him. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, they really hate him and they want to figure out how to kill him. And Lazarus too. So I look at all that. I look at all that and I take all that into consideration with what I'm doing. And I think, you know what? I'm no Moses and I'm certainly not Jesus, but all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable that the man of God might be complete, equipped for every good work. If I want to be the man of God, then I do want to see what is exemplary and instructive in the example of Jesus, certainly. Oh, but he was Jesus. You can't just throw everything into that category and dismiss calls to look to him as an example, which are also in God's word. We are called to look to him as not just our savior, also as our example, both and, not either or, both and. Lord, yes. Master, yes. True God from true God, yes. But I think we are supposed to learn something from his saying what is true, doing what is good, and some people hating him for it. I think we're supposed to learn something from his disciples going out and obeying in fulfilling the Great Commission, obeying in going and making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded them. And yes, being welcomed in many places, being cheered and thanked, but also being hated for his namesake, being persecuted for righteousness sake, being martyred, dying a martyr's death, all of them except for John. I think we're supposed to learn something from that, that you can do the right thing. You can say what is true and suffer for it. But when you suffer, when you suffer, it's not as though suffering is something that can be avoided in life. When you suffer, when people are unkind or unfair or unjust or apathetic or ho-hum or whatever, when they are, what you want is to be able to have a good conscience and to know that you are actually suffering for righteousness sake. 
your reward will be from God himself in that case. But there's no reward if you suffer because you were just doing what everybody else was doing and somebody picked you off. You know, there's no reward for that. So as I see it, I look back through some common themes over the last hundred episodes. And let's say we just compared with some of the more popular episodes between 400 and 500. You know, the 500th episode of this podcast was November 17th of last year. And there was a lot about J.D. Hall, David Morrill and Protestia, Doug Wilson, A.D. Robles, John Harris, Martin Lloyd-Jones. My most popular episode, by the way, in that hundred at the time of the 500th episode was, mm, let's see, about 20% less plays than my most popular episode in this most recent hundred. I think that's right. Let me do the math here. Yeah. 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 That checks out. Yeah. 20, 25% difference. As in my most popular episode in this set of 100 was 20 to 25% more listened to. And I think that's solid growth. I really do. I feel good about that, particularly because my first goal is not to get as big of an audience as I possibly can. There are too many. And and here's another thing. Here's another thing I really want to just drive home. And I do want to set an example. And I do want to challenge and encourage those of you who are out there who listen to this podcast regularly, there is this foolish notion that is popular in the age of the internet that the more likes somebody has on their content, the more comments, the more followers, the more you know they're right. And it's a logical fallacy that creeps into our impression of people. And it's marketing, right? It's very clever marketing to say, look at how many subscribers I have. Look at how many followers I have. Look at how many people listen to me. Look at how many people there are who know my name. And it's a trap. (laughs) It's a trap. (laughs) I mean, the folks who have large audiences, I'm not suggesting that because they have a large audience, you therefore shouldn't see them as credible. I don't mean that. And I don't mean either the inverse, that people who have small audiences or no audience are therefore trustworthy. And that would be nonsense to think that way. What I'm saying is it's somewhat irrelevant, actually. These things are true and they need to be true first. And then you consider whether it's such a good thing or not, that there's a lot of people believing them. But their truthfulness, their verity, their veracity is not dependent on how many people believe such and such a thing or subscribe to it or live it out or act like that or express themselves in such a way. On the other hand, I have to think about what are the goals? What are the various goals that might be in the mix for people who engage online when they're chasing after fame and fortune thereby. What are their goals? Selfish ambition and vain conceit. And if they innovate in such a way 
as to feed that selfish ambition and vain conceit, then maybe they do get fame and fortune. But what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And there I am not throwing stones. I'm not living in a glass house throwing stones at other people. But I ask that because when I do some soul searching on my own about what I will innovate and what I won't, I don't want to tamper with, fiddle with, tweak in the slightest, contrary to expressing as clearly as I possibly can what I believe to be the truth and what I believe to be good in a way that will make it easiest for you to metabolize the information and become wiser and gain insight that leads to a life that pleases God. Your personal life does intersect with these things, and it's not all the same whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you believe. When you say what is true and what is good and what is wise, then you will be blessed. It will go well for you, and God will be glorified in that. If you, on the other hand, are engaged in foolishness, but it's delightful foolishness, and that's all that it ever is, and you're surrounded by people who reward you for that because they also like foolishness, and they appreciate how you affirm their folly, well, then it might take a minute, but eventually those wells will dry up, and they will get bored, and they will move on to somebody else who is satisfying their next fetish, their next fad. I have to run here, but briefly, (laughs) briefly, I want to say with regards to the 10 least popular episodes, I would encourage you to go back, check them out. Most of them are to do with books, actually books that I've read that I talked through. Some of them are related to more abstract subjects or political issues that are hot button right now. But All of them were behind a paywall. Some of them still are until next month. Some of them from last month are now available. You can listen to them. I hope they're a benefit to you. I hope you get something out of them. And yet, I want you to consider the lyrics of a song by the Newsboys that I used to enjoy in my younger days. Years and years ago, they were a really popular Christian rock and pop band If you don't know them, check them out. Delightful music. I still enjoy their music. I don't listen to it very often. In fact, I don't listen to much in the way of Christian music anymore for lots of reasons, which we can get into again on this podcast. I've talked about it before on this podcast, but we can go there again sometime. But what I want to say, what I do want to say is here are the lyrics to the fad of the land. Not to be confused with the fat of the land. (laughs) Those are two different things. But the fad of the land by the Newsboys. Got my genome mapping. Got my smart dog napping. Got my genome mapping. I'm a marinade of what's hot this summer. I'm an early comer. Bought a Gulf War Hummer. Every fad I feel its force. Every trend I do endorse. Got my genome mapping. Caught my smart dog napping. I'm charging up the new, new thing. I'm answering a customized ring. I'm starting with the place you stop. I'm packing for an ego trip. Hop. Stop the scam, you day traders in a traffic jam. Can the craze, all you players out of plays. Fight the man, all you suckers for a better brand. They got us living on the fat of the land. Get your pager on, because you know my number. 
I'm a wireless wonder. Got thumbs of thunder. Soul daddies in a firewire tumble dryer. Soul mamas broke the breaker. Soul children packing Prozac pacifiers. Get your plug in. We all need to plug into our maker. And that's well said. And it's pithy and it's fun and it's amusing. And it is on the nose for where we're at. And if I leave you with nothing else, let it be that you would go to God's word, you would ask God for wisdom, and you would believe that he will give you wisdom. And then you live according to wisdom and to knowledge. And you follow after the Lord with your life because there's a blessing in that for now and forevermore because God is faithful, because God is good. Like I said, I got to run. As always, thank you for listening. 600 episodes and counting. Until next time, God bless. I'm a marinator. Oh, what's hot this summer? I'm an early comer. Born to go for hummer. Every fan I feel is false. Every trend I do indulge. Got my jeans. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.